Saddle fellas and FBI investigators, welcome <laughs> to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my favorite NB, Kennedy. Hey, so listen, uh, I got this hot tip we got to follow up on, okay? We got we to gotta go check some shit out. It's in Japan. We need the whole FBI. Everybody. <laughs> This one's too important. I, you know, out of all the directions that they took this show, they 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 took it in that direction, and then you go, ah, yes, the seventies. This is and this is beautiful. It's lovely, and we have a a lovely comrade here. Yes, the NB, reoccurring the... recurring friend of the show. You're like the the third host. That we just keep locked in the basement, and then sometimes we open the door for the afternoon. I'm, I'm the, like, all right, come on up. I'm the the foreign correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happens that Netscape just has a unique taste that gets it, you know? Yeah. Like, if I throw a toku at Netscape, Netscape will watch it just on the basis that it is a toku, so it's bound to at least be, like, at least somewhat interesting to watch and get a reaction, right? Versus mm-hmm. not just being like a casual content muncher. Yes. I lo- although I do love an occasional content munch. I've, I've been recently uh, getting stoned out of my mind and watching Family Guy. Oh my god. <laughs> so today we're talking about something very special. Battle Fever J, the very first Super Sentai. Did y'all know this? The, the Not term the... Sentai had been used by other sh- a couple of other shows leading up to this. But Battle Fever J is a very early entry in the Sentai genre and was the first show to use the term Super Sentai. Ah, oh. they took the... That's like pre-Nintendo, too. Yeah. Good stuff. That was a good marketing strategy. Um, it, it worked. I mean, that term has stuck. Yeah. And this is Marvel's first, like, really big foray into a sort of cinematic universe launch. Yes, because they were working with, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, Toei. Toei, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and this is a pretty incredible thing because it's officially the third entry. This isn't, like, a side thing. You know, this isn't, like, some side project, like Akiba Ranger or something like that. Uh, this was actually like a series that if you are going to watch Super Sentai from the very beginning, this is the third season. Uh, you and, have to watch this. Yeah. And in fact, it w- it was disputed for a while, which even was the first Super Sentai show. And like people can some people still consider this to be the first one. So. If you're really trying to trace the roots back, you got to come here and see this because this is apparently where a lot of it started and it explains some things, but also it explains some things. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to also say an honorable mention goes to Spider-Man, which was uh, Marvel's first partnership with Toei, uh, where they did a tokusatsu about Spider-Man and he had his own like very unique Japanese arsenal. That was pretty sick. Uh, and that success launched Battle Fever J. Uh, Battle Fever J is a concept that only lasts this season. 
Uh, it's about 52 episodes long. There's an I would watch anti- 100 more of these. There's actually an anti-filler guide that uh, was released for this that is trims it down from 52 to 13. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, of course, this is the this is not really the whole like syndication, long running plot arcs over like episodes. You know, this is back like when you had a villain of the week, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I want to watch it all. I also <laughs> want to watch it all. I, I'm, when... I'm not I'm not in that camp. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but we're going to like get this started. weekend when or, or sorry, this winter when COVID is just like out of control again and you can't go outside because there's like people wandering around trying to like give you ivermectin. There's riots because Marvel's Eternals flopped. Yeah, there's Mar- ra- there's Marvel riots uh, <laughs> that rage out of control for weeks on end. Um, I'll watch all of Battle Fever J when that's going on, or just when it's like a little chilly outside and I'm being cranky about it. That's very high praise. I was immediately sold on this show about 15 seconds in when I'm not going to spoil it, but when we got to see what the Black Ranger, which is the first Black Ranger in any uh, Sentai show, but when we got to see what he was up to when he wasn't, or when he was sort of out of his costume and what his outfit was and how that tied into his uh, theme, I was immediately sold on this show. This is the G Gundam of a uh, Super yes. Sentai. <laughs> and like it really is. In Mobile Suit Gundam, like G Gundam is a alternate universe type thing. This is mainline. Yeah. An alternate universe where racism is good and based. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I found out while researching the show is that it is it is canon to the Marvel universe. It has a canon uh, Earth designation. It uh, at, uh, hold on. Uh, seven nine two zero three is the timeline that Battle Fever J explicitly is in within the Marvel Holy Cosmic shit. Universe. What was the last appearance? Uh, good question. Oh, uh, they do, but the Battle Fever J characters do appear in a a, a shit ton of Sentai shows because yeah. they were one of the originals. Yeah. Uh, let me look that up. I mean. Uh, consult my ancient knowledge. <laughs> not the Wikipedia. Go, they go show up in your mind palace. Exactly. They show up in Turbo Ranger, Go Kiger, Superhero Tyson, Zayuger, Zayuger versus Nininger. Wow, that's my new favorite <laughs> Sentai word. Uh, Cho, Cho Superhero Tyson. And they show up in several uh, stage shows. Yeah. That's a lot of appearances. So clearly there's a beloved quality to this. Yeah. And if you, if, I bet if you like crossed the, like, you know, you like uh, see what these crossovers cross over into, it probably like is a decent number of Sentai that exists in the Marvel Universe. I told you yes. we needed the whole FBI on this one. <laughs> this one goes deep, okay? Pull over. <laughs> <laughs> We're deep in truther club territory today. 
Wow, they also have uh, ranger keys that show up in um, what Super Mega Force or yes. uh, whatever the Jap- the the Super Sentai equivalent is. One of those, some yeah, Go Kiger, I think is what it's called. Yeah, Go Kiger, yeah, amazing. Which means, wow, I wish we would have got like a. Tra- I guess there is probably a transformation series that was in the. Uh, the original Japanese, but it would have been awesome if they did a transformation in Super Mega Force and they had to like deal with the sort of the 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 racial ramifications of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Let's talk about Battle Fever J Yeah. We keep hinting at what happens. Let's let's actually describe it. So uh Battle Fever J starts off and uh, it is this, like, spy show, which is crazy. I did not expect that. I almost thought I was watching, like, an episode of Mission Impossible. Yeah. It felt like Danger 5 to me. I've never seen Danger 5. Oh, Red my God. Da- Danger 5 is this incredible show, and I'm going to plug it for our listeners because this one's worth it. Uh, it's it's basically a Sentai. We should actually review it on this show now that I think about it. Um, oh, it's, oh, you know what? I haven't heard about Danger 5. World War II love... happens in the swinging 60s. And it's like a goofy 60s spy show about World War II. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it's amazing. And it's re- it really is just a Sentai. It's a team of spies that all wear the same suits and stuff. It's a Sentai. We're going to watch it. That's where you get the uh, the Agent Hitler FBI photo from. Yes. So it's what if World War II happened in the 60s instead of yeah, the 40s? Yeah, and everyone was just like drunk and on cocaine. Wouldn't technically the United States be socialist at that point? No, the, the United States is, is completely fucked. <laughs> in Damn. Because, and this actually makes sense, the, I think what they hint at because um if the united states if world war ii hadn't happened the united states was going to become more fascist because we were also headed in that direction but then people were like whoa this nazi stuff actually seems too intense and like the fascists in our government kind of had to like scurry back under the covers yeah and uh if if that hadn't happened by the 60s america would have been so much fucked oof that's maybe by now we'd be socialist (laughs) <laughs> I guess it would it would also depend on who becomes the vice president during FDR's last run because he was actually fucked out of the he wanted to pick like a socialist VP uh and they forced Truman on him. Yeah. Some history facts from from me. Uh, there's a good episode of uh Oliver Stone's The Secret History of America that goes into how they the Democrats specifically like stole the election they literally like mm-hmm. went in and forced the second vote it's bad stuff i don't so stand. all this political conspiracy talk this is all perfect for battle fever j because battle fever yes. j starts off with a spy a woman who carries around a red umbrella uh assassinating people with poison in the tip of the umbrella this is based on a real assassination that I believe failed? I'm just going to stop the recording right there after you say this is based. This is based. 
And also, this is based on a real assassination attempt from the That's so cool. From the the Cold War era. I don't think it succeeded in real life though, as I recall. Allow me to put on my letterbox hat for a second and say that the way that the cinematography of this show and specifically the editing is very interesting. It's very it's a very breakneck editing that you you don't really see that much in modern modern sentai like they do a lot of very quick cuts uh and mm-hmm. very like second scenes so the montage i think takes place over like less than a minute and it is insanely hectic i love it i think here it works better than the other times it, they do it in the episode because <laughs> it's, it's just awkward. like we it's yeah. like a lot of it's just like, all right, we need to immediately pay, have payoff right now, right this very moment. And you're like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought this was going to be like a three episode thing at least or something. <laughs> also, there's a lot of like, how did we get here with certain parts of this where yeah. like things happen so quickly that at certain times you'd be like, wait, huh? What? What's going on? But yeah, so this woman carries out a series of assassinations uh, of its obvious political figures, but we don't know exactly who yet. Using one of them this. was at a horse track, I think, and it was it was nice to see horse. You don't really see horse tracks in in modern movies and TV shows anymore. Yeah, you know, I hear uh, I hear the horse track is going to come back. Is it? I'm excited. I li- I like me some <laughs> horse racing. It's a very cozy sort of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> um so after this we have a montage that introduces us to our heroes uh first of all a very funny scene where this guy is trying to like rent a car but then they're like here's your bill from last time and it's like instructions that are like get to the hideout burn after reading you know <laughs> yeah from the beginning, it just gets into some like wacky spy stuff right away. But then it gets a little confusing because then there's like a guy on a horse. There's a guy yeah. in a beauty salon. It just starts jumping around a lot. And the montage is like, okay, it's like trying to set up these different characters. But it's also like, what is going on? And then the montage truly comes to a, a <laughs> bizarre conclusion. With the introduction of Battle Kenya. This is my favorite guy. At the pet store, talking to a monkey, having a very strange conversation indeed. Wasn't it like a pro-workers conversation too? It was an anti-boss conversation. Like in that same way that something could be anti-capitalist without necessarily being pro-socialist. Yeah. (laughs) Based racism? Question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) So these guys are spies. And each of them has the flair of a certain country about them. Or in the case of Battle Cossack, just a a strange something. I don't even... It just really seemed like they just phoned that one in. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone Weirdly had a enough, personality, but that one was just like, meh, it was a miss. It was surprising to see that the female character actually had most of the character development in this first episode, uh, even though she... Everyone else is more interesting. <laughs> everyone else is more interesting, and also everyone else is doing like the exposition about her for her. 
Yeah, it's like Jiren. Yeah, it's it's which is not something that really happens anymore. But it was also very very nice to see that like the most the majority of the sort of scripts attention was focused on on the female character even if she has the worst fit at the end <laughs> god she really does i was I've... her her wig made me furious <laughs> oh god okay let's not get ahead of ourselves though so the four guys show up at the hideout we have battle japan battle france battle cossack and battle kenya their boss fills them in on the situation um, which is that uh, there have been three high-profile assassinations of National Defense Department heads, generals, some shit like that, military top brass, basically. And uh, they have a picture of the woman with the red umbrella, and they say, you know, you got to go out and find this woman. And that pretty much immediately escalates to them just like, being James Bond on the street. It was cool. Honestly, I liked the out-of-suit stuff more than the in-suit stuff, which almost never happens with these. Yeah. If I found the spy stuff very jarring. It was just very unexpected to me. So, like, when we were... When the out-of-the-suit stuff was going on, I was just like, uh... What what is this? What, what what am I watching here? Huh? I'm watching some uh, some pro FBI bullshit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is that that aspect to it, but still, if they had never transformed, I almost feel like this would have been better. <laughs> I dig the transformation stuff. Uh, some of that's okay too. I don't know. Anyway, so. What's funny about this spy stuff, though, is that um, it's like, you know how, like, in, like, a James Bond movie, it's like you, like, see this conversation going down between bad guys, and then the camera pans a little bit, and James Bond is, like, just, like, crammed himself between these two lockers and is hiding and listening in or something. Damn, I should watch James Bond, right? You should. Um... Uh, so Battle Fever J is doing that, except it's like they have to find a corner for four guys to be hiding around. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of one. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, and so they find the woman with the red umbrella, which leads to this hallucinogenic chase into a tunnel, and then they're just on a baseball field suddenly. That part was like a David Lynch movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was like some that was like some fucking just what is happening <laughs> kind of stuff at that point. Just quick cuts. Quick cuts. Yeah. I like I of... did the quick cuts. I mean, it was it did get hard to follow. I was sort of like what is going on, but it was also sort of very it was very unique to see, you know. It's like they, they do this thing several times during this chase sequence because then it also it changes again to like an amusement park. They do this thing where it's like they're looking, they, they kind of like zoom in on a person and then they pan back out and they're in a different place and they've like kind of hidden that uh, through the use of mostly shadow. And like that's a very cool effect and like a good transition, but also like what a... 
what a hallucinogenic chase scene. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> like, why would you go to a baseball field out of all places? I and mean, then an amusement they, park. They love baseball. It's Japan. They love baseball. After that, it gets uh, a little more complicated when they get back to base with the woman, and it turns out she's an FBI agent they were using to try to lure out the other side by making her look like the woman with the red umbrella. Completely tells on itself. Cross. Completely tells on itself that the FBI is inept at their job. Come on. They were actually trying to... uh... They were trying to convince like a mentally handicapped person to do a terror attack so that they can upgrade their own budget. <laughs> That's too real. This show. Yeah, it's pretty fucking wild. Like, I didn't <laughs> understand. Like, why would you let that detail? Like, why? Why? Just why? Yeah. The guy who plays the FBI agent in this had some like, he looked 30 years like, out older than he actually was. He had, like, mutton chops or some shit. I don't know. He, he looks sort of like Wilford Brimley. He looked more like a, like a, like, almost like a British spy yeah. in, like, a 70s show rather than an American. I guess that's sort of like the Godzilla problem where there were only, like, you know, 30 white actors in Japan at the time. Yeah, I think, I think the craziest part about this all is just that it could have, like, the FBI agent could have just not existed as a character. And realistically, the show could have probably been a lot better. Because I feel like this plot line of the FBI getting introduced and all that other stuff and them collabing with that ultimately oh, man, hurts that. this episode. In my opinion. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like it was so weak of a plot line to be like, yeah, we did this really weird plot to try and catch the lady with someone that looks exactly <laughs> like her because yeah. question mark question mark question mark what i don't know they were trying like, to do a it's, it's, it was so hard to it was so hard to explain like when you give it any sort of thought i'm like what the fuck how would you have thought this would have worked and especially like what happens after this which also kind of tells itself yeah <laughs> Yeah, the show really starts to tell on itself that this is anti-communist propaganda. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit. You couldn't already take the hint from the red umbrella. Oh, is that a communist thing? I mean, it's just the symbolism the of immediately associating the enemy with red and then... True. I didn't even put that together. I got that like, the, like from their backstory, I did get that, but I didn't put that together with the... Uh, the red I, mean, you have I didn't to realize it was literally that it, they, they didn't have like subtlety in filmmaking yet back then for the no. most part. And like, <laughs> uh, it was literally that obvious, like in old James Bond films and things like that too. It'd be like, you know, he's got a red armband on. Hmm. 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 Although I did, those red umbrellas were drip like low key. Yeah. It was a really nice umbrella. Also, they have a a, Star Trek machine that translates for them. It's a very uh, sort of foppish accessory for your evil, evil clay. Normally they go with like rings or like, you know, a tattoo or something. (laughs) And here it's like, no, it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a very like thin 
umbrella, you know, the kind that you would associate, sort of associate with like a 1920s flapper. <laughs> it's very funny. So this is right about when the FBI agent is just like, hey, we're going to collaborate with the Japanese government and create uh, this team called Battle Fever J. And then these guys. Also, the the woman that you just found that was the um, uh, impersonating the enemy, she is on the team. There's no discussion of this at all. <laughs> They're like, you got that? You got that? Good. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Which, to be fair, they kind of took it in stride. They didn't go like, Pah. Yeah, they weren't weird about it, which is better than, you know, some things, especially some Sentai shows. But at the same time, like, there's just this abruptness to a lot of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I kind um, of wish we got more character moments. Honestly, this would have been nice if they just did, like, another two minutes of character stuff. I think it I think they needed to pay attention more to like the other characters versus like Miss America, which is what mm -hmm. she's called now. So the imposter lady is now Miss America and No, is... she's Japanese. They're well, all they don't Japanese. Get their yeah. Quite yet, but yes. Although I guess she's like light skin or whatever cuz her dad she's... Well, yeah, her dad is the FBI man. Spoiler for 30 seconds from now. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So after this, we get a brief glimpse into the villains of this season. Uh, the Buddhists. I mean, wait, no, the Egos. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're definitely not. I this actually think isn't it's pro-Christian, anti-Buddhist propaganda. I, I thought it was like a, a sort of like white invasion. Because it's invaded Europe or whatever, and then they're like, it invaded China and all that stuff, and then now it's finally here in Japan. The the imagery though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they, Just they a little bit. This like thing that looks like a statue of the Buddha kind of. They wear like prayer beads that are like look a lot like traditional Buddhist prayer beads and things like that. There's just like a lot of little weird things with that <laughs> yeah i guess you're right i i did think that it was pretty interesting the way they described it because it, it's a phenomenon the egos are a phenomenon that just touched japan like, yeah it wasn't here before but now it is and i'm like hmm didn't the japanese government change like not too long ago <laughs> and it, it definitely has like a it's like an Illuminati New World Order plot in a lot of ways. Yeah, it. like they're, they're like... responsible. They're the CIA, essentially. Like, they're responsible for a lot of bad shit that's happened they... around the world. It felt like a uh, a very, like, sort of 60s Godzilla bad guy, where it's like, all you needed to do was reveal that they're from, like, a lost continent or something. Yeah. It's very old school in that way. <laughs> We learn a little about the egos, and we don't learn much about them, but again, it's like a new world order. Like, they're going to take over everything, and it's a secret society, and blah, blah, and, you know, what have you. But also, okay, so, Miss America is joining the team, and yes. apparently there's, like, a weird initiation that you go through when you join Battle Fever J. 
They do a hazing ritual. <laughs> Where their boss, like, gets out a katana, and, like, he's been oh in my a god, I forgot about that. now. So, like... I forgot about this, this is, scene. This is a very abrupt... I can't believe y'all forgot about this. This is, like, one of the no, most this abrupt is... and crazy scenes. It was it was so crazy, and I was so high watching it that it somehow didn't didn't phase me. <laughs> Even though it's literally in the in the opening, like they show him like do the katana in the opening. So yeah, so the boss like who again has been up just like in a business suit, seem like pretty like low key up till now. Just pulls out Who's a katana, the... like and like they're like in the dojo, and he's like, all right. All the other team members, they jump over the sword. And then yep. he's like, Miss America, you got to jump over the sword to be a part of this team. <laughs> you got to be fearless in the face of death. And it's just so strange. Yeah, that was weird for sure. I feel like I've seen him in something. Right after this, in the continuation of things happening really fast, uh, the FBI man gets murdered by the Umbrella Woman. Um, and we find out, this is the spoiler from before, that he's Miss America's dad. No! Immediately, no. she starts running out of the base and starts crying <laughs> right along the shoreline. Just right to the beach somehow. So many abrupt cuts. And things happening so fast. All of this, normally, like, when I'm recapping things like this, I'm recapping, like, whole scenes. But this is, like, practically the pace it happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, really wild stuff. And then you get, like, this one sentimental moment where she's, like, remembering her dad for, like, four seconds. And then it's It was it's so over. jarring because... They were like, okay, team, let's meet up at this location. I can't go with you because of X reason. Immediately dies. And then immediately cuts to her, like, running out to the beach, crying. And then speaking of jarring, we go immediately from that to uh, the rest of the team finds Miss America. They're like, hey, let's go get revenge or something. And then they go into a warehouse where they have a big robot. Sure. They're like, you've got to calm down, Shorty. We've got to go do a street fight. This is also when we get the outfits at last, the Sentai suits. So I think this is when I U-turned on the show and I was like, all right, this is, this is pretty dope. Okay, let's get it. It's, it's something. <laughs> They the fight outfits. with like dance moves, right? That's 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 the gist. There's a lot of grooving in this show. Let's just say that much. They don't always fight with dance moves, but there's a lot of just like grooving. They fight um, with dance moves with one notable exception. There's also though, like there's times when like they're at the fight and they're grooving on the sidelines while like some fighting is going down. Just really need to draw attention to that. <laughs> it's a fun time. So they all get their unique uh, identities and uniforms, and um, they're all pretty bizarre. But Miss America, in particular, is just like so out there. It was. It's it actually made me mad how bad her outfit. Is. First of all, she's camel towing. Like they couldn't get her just a little bit more fabric, and then 
she's got that wig. And I think it's actually the same wig. This might just be me on like like breaking free of the matrix. But I think it's the same uh wig that they use in the barbershop gag towards the beginning. Because it's the same color. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I think you're right. Wow. And then I think that uh yeah, her whole outfit just I mean it has nothing like all of the others have like a, a pretty decent color coordination with their respective countries, but like what does America have to do with pink? It's just she's the lady. It's because she's Miss America. It's like a beauty pageant. That's the oh, look. Oh. I just figured it out. Holy shit. Yeah. You've cracked the code. Also, Damn. we get Call to see me the Professor again, and they just worship Satan. Can we talk about Battle Kenya? We we can. but really quickly i'll just finish that thought and say that lord satan their leader tells them uh tells the egos about battle fever right away so the enemy knows right away that uh they gotta go take out these superhero things all right now battle kenya so battle kenya his uh his sort of spirit outfit when he's not because they have like ethnic outfits that they wear in the the sort of like the uh, the dream sequences when they are channeling their dance moves, and he's dressed like a he's dressed like a caveman. He also is the only one that has like vague animal connections. He has like animal ears on and uh, saber tooth tiger teeth on his helmet. You know what's funny is uh, when I we were watching that one mexican movie oh yeah for this podcast santo santo blue demon yeah santo versus the blue demon and the monsters when we were watching that uh the friend that had recommended it to me was like it's less racist than power rangers and i was like which that's what no way and like yeah santo the silver mask versus blue demon and the monsters was like less racist than Wild Force. This is also <laughs> less racist than Wild Force. This is less racist than G Gundam, actually, too. I would say. At least it doesn't just straight yeah. up call Battle Kenya a monkey. I think it it has it has that going for it. It he doesn't he doesn't talk like an idiot either. Yes. You know? Like they he don't dumb down K- his dialogue K- at all. <laughs> yeah. If this was like if this was a uh, Power Rangers Zio Saban, it would immediately be like dumbed down, like crazy. Battle Kenya wouldn't even have a mask; he would just uh, he would just be doing blackface. It's very like George of the Jungle, which is like a kind of you know. Yeah, he's not even like. It's, uh, it's the he's not even in like a racist in every way, but it's also like it's not going out of his way to be racist. Whereas yeah. the villain, on the other hand, is kind of going out of its way to be racist. <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't. He he's wearing very generic caveman. Like if he was wearing like a loincloth and like he had a spear or something, then maybe I'd be like, "Whoa, this is a lot." Uh, I, I it's like it's that they don't present him as like stupid. I think. Yeah, is the only real saving grace here. I could, I could bad, have made it a lot. But worse. if they, if they made him like an idiot too, it would have been whew, very cursed. 
No, it was yeah. more funny than anything. I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> I I actually I thought it was pretty uh pretty all also, right in the context of the having Discord watched happy. like yeah is that oh you did battle Kenya I did I got battle Kenya <laughs> make it your Twitter AV I will I'll I'll do it uh I'll I'll try and do it for after Halloween yeah hell yeah hell yeah. Um, there's some fun stuff in the fight scene. First of all, like I said, sometimes they're just like grooving. Like they'll just be like nearby the fight, just like grooving while somebody yeah. else is fighting. It's really funny. Um, I love also, it. I loved every was, time who, that they were grooving. It was amazing because it was an attack as well. Like they just like start grooving and just deal damage. Um, I, Battle France. Yeah, yeah Battle I'm France also was, Battle France was hitting that shit. He was he was keeping a beat. I have to emphasize Battle France also because Battle France had a legit dangerous sword. Yeah. Like he just had a real ass rapier. <laughs> yeah. Also, more he should have really been Battle Spain. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, I mean they call him Battle the France. The actor didn't he, know the actor like mixed up the stereotypes. <laughs> I mean, you know, from a, a Western perspective, could you name the differences between you know specific cultures in China? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, Spain, France, from a certain perspective, like they're right next to each other. They're pro- they speak close to the same language. It's like the same thing. Uh, so <laughs> I know someone, or at least I knew someone who uh, took the Spanish state exams and answered every written prompt with French and still passed the state exams. Hell yeah. So you might not be wrong from the Western perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the villain though, the villain is really messed up because they say that the villain is a descendant of the Zapotec Empire. Yes. I love and his helmet. Oh my god. That helmet has nothing to do with Zapotec art. The whole thing was very weird. That was Oh, is like, that a real? I honestly I thought that they were making it up. No, that's a real indigenous culture from uh you know the regions that are now Mexico. And oh, okay. that still like exists was not even like completely wiped out. So like that's it's not even like they had the excuse of like nobody knows what they were like. <laughs> That's a really fun fact that I did not know of. I, I straight up thought that they were that he was from some like fake like Wakanda or whatever. <laughs> Damn. That's crazy. I did love his outfit though. It went stupid. <laughs> yeah, if they if they had just not included that detail, it would have been fine otherwise. But yeah, they were just they had to include this weird detail of like, I'm the descendant of a people that experienced genocide, seeking revenge, <laughs> and also being portrayed badly. I love their uh, their the uh, all of the outfits, honestly, but the the henchman outfits, like the I'm trying to figure out what the fuck they were called. I'm not sure, but they looked sick. This is some of my favorite looking uh, Sentai of all time. Oh, they're called Cutman. Yeah, I do. Yes. I do like the henchman design as well. What's unfortunate is the finisher. Oh, 
I laughed at. We're it. just going to launch laugh. the. We're just going to do a drone strike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like Especially because they hint at the big robot. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to yeah. drop that hint, maybe, maybe, maybe give us a little something, something. Yeah, but the fact that it was just a drone strike, I was like, ah, blah. That I sucks. That their their uh their finisher was ostensibly getting like seven kills in Call of Duty. <laughs> That's probably how many people they killed. Like, and, uh, <laughs> they got a stinger. The show closes out with like a nice, like this is obviously not resolved ending where the egos like we cut back to them and. They're like, we're making new... Mo-. It's like, you know, it's Sentai stuff. We're making a new monster. Don't worry. This new monster will beat them. Apparently, all the way back to the beginning, that was a thing. I <laughs> love um, uh, that they, they, like, have to properly, like, birth the monsters, too. Yeah, they come out of these, like, freaky eggs and shit. It's pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, the Battle Fever team is like, yeah, we'll keep fighting. And they ride off into the sunset on horses. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I feel like I could have just been like making shit up this whole time and it would have sounded just as believable because Absolutely. the plot is all over the place. But that was the first episode of Battle Fever J and it was quite the ride. Let's review it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'll go ahead and go first. Um I'm kind of feeling a five. I out of I think out of I five? really a five out of ten. <laughs> uh, I know I'm kind of like out of probably range where everybody else is at on this. The sort of racism that's portrayed here feels like it's trying to be appreciatory versus like punching down. <laughs> at least somewhat in sort of genuine sort of way. It makes it better than like Wild Force or uh, just other media properties that are much newer. Um, un- it's unfortunate that anti-blackness has just been baked into society for it's okay a very that. very long time. Also, um, let's not forget misogyny. Another yeah. another ancient institution very much on display in this show. <laughs> yeah. I also like was kind of I think if the the robot was at the end, I would have given it a higher score because I think we were anticipating like a robot or something at the end. And then the fact that we just got stinger missiles, I was like, that that fucking sucks. Come on. (laughs) And then the ending was like nonsensical. Just general, like just a lot of like what the fuck moments that you really kind of don't know how to like make heads or tails of it. And you might just come out the other end, like feeling one way or another. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's a five. Yeah. I honestly, I'm, I'm not, I'm not about to give it a crazy rating. (laughs) 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 But I am, I am thinking it's, it's about like a, it is honestly about like a 6.5, even almost a seven for me. I think I'm going to give it an eight. That's fair. Honestly, like, this is the kind of thing where I feel like having differing opinions on it makes sense. Absolutely. I, I do agree <laughs> with a lot of the stuff you said. Honestly, the sort of the 60s, not very woke stuff. Uh, 
was a plus for me. Not not out of some like uh, you know contrarianism, but just because it 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 made the goo- already like the goofiness inherent in Power Rangers uh, even more goofy to me. Yeah, I get that for sure. Like, I definitely enjoy some G Gundam uh, second season schlock, right? Like, Um, for sure. We need a tequila Gundam uh, model so bad. (laughs) And it's clear that their goal is not to just make it all bad all the time. So I think that saves a little of it. Whereas, Mm -hmm. like, you know, sometimes it's like you can tell that they're just going to lean into the problematic shit as much as they can, basically. Yeah, and Um, I think that I like the fact that we all have different scores here because, as you said, a lot of those scenes are just like you don't know what your reaction is going to be to them until you see it because it's it's almost like it's edited in such a way that you wouldn't expect it to be edited in. Yeah, it's very all over the place, and to an extent, that's part of the problem I have with it, is, like, it's just a little too much in some ways, and then in other ways, it's not quite enough, so it's, like, you have this combination of some things being overwhelming and other things being underwhelming, but this, like, goofy spy show Sentai with, like, some elements of real spy stories... Um, being used to inspire some of the different things going on because it wasn't just the umbrella assassination. There was something else in there that I noticed. I can't remember what it was now, too, but there was something else I noticed. I was like, oh, that's a real spy fact. And that's not something that everybody would just know. And it was very cool that they went to certain lengths with some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, And overall, like that uniqueness really made it a fairly enjoyable time, which is why I'm kind of like leaning towards a seven because like, it was just like a pretty enjoyable watch overall. And the only problem I had other than the, the racism and the sexism <laughs> was just the incoherentness at certain moments. Absolutely. There's, it is very incoherent. I think that the, the editing plays into a lot of that. Um, but also, I could see it working. Honestly, the editing reminded me a lot of... I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer for Hideki Anno's, uh Shin Kamen Rider. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. And I'd love to see, like, a Shin Battle Fever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Make it, make it like, a, like an Avengers movie. But you know why you can't make Shin Battle Fever, though? is because if you try to, like, turn Miss America into a non-caricature, then you just have non-stop forum posts about how they ruined Miss America. She used to be hot. Oh, yeah. I want to see, like, dance moves, though. That's what I want to see. I want to see way more dance moves. I think that that's the show at its peak. When they were using dance moves as attacks in their suits, that was really cool. Even more so for me when they were just grooving while fighting is going on. Like, if if I'm on the sidelines, right? You know how, like, sometimes you'd be, like, in the Power Rangers or in another Sentai show, it's like, Green Ranger is punching the shit out of this monster. And Blue Ranger is kind of standing by the sidelines going, kick his ass, Green Ranger. Like, you have those scenes in the Sentai shows from time to time. And it's like, here you have that. But they're just like grooving. 
They're just like <laughs> boogieing down on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And I also like this nine minute dance scene. Shin Battle Fever definitely needs like a Reservoir Dog style <laughs> dance, dance violence thing. That would be a lot of fun. I'm excited to explore more of this, and uh, I'm really glad to have brought you on Netscape. I'm sure I'm glad you enjoyed it so much as you did. I loved it. Unintentional, completely unintentional. I did not know. That it was gonna be a G Gundam esque show at all because I know you would enjoy something like that. If I had knew ahead of time, I would have been like, "Oh hell yeah!" But I completely didn't know. I was like, "Oh, this is like Marvel's very first cinematic universe attempt." I think this would be an interesting piece to talk about with you in general. And they come to find out, it just has like just racism in it and a bunch of this other stuff that was like (laughs) not really punching down, but like still not good to depict in that way Some, type sometimes shit. punching down yeah <laughs> but like it's just crazy how i think society has just gotten more like edgier around their like woke racism as time has gone on because you mm-hmm. compare that with some of the shit that we've seen that happened in the 90s and that seems like way more Problematic than some of this stuff. I guess Wild Force is the really racist one. That's the only Power Rangers from the 90s I don't think I've seen a single episode of. Pretty racist. Yeah, it's also in 2002, not in the 90s, which makes it worse. Okay, yeah, that is worse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will be talking about more of Battle Fever J in the next episode. Until then, Netscape. People yes. who listen to this show kind of know who you are, but also, what so. if they don't? What if they don't know who you are enough? Where do uh, they go? I have, I have a Twitter account at uh, Java underscore Jiga, and if you like, if you like my movie takes, and if you want to see me smoke more weed and watch more shit, I have a letterboxed uh, Netscape Negro. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Well, all right, Rangers, you're going to get a lot more Netscape coming up, especially behind our Patreon. And uh, until next time, may the power protect you. Hell yeah. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast. And Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.